Porter QI presents Quality for the Rest of Us with Gail Porter. Investigating the mysterious world of healthcare in search of adventurous innovation and exciting solutions from professionals across the nation. As we look back on the year with gratitude and look forward to new plans and ventures in the coming year, Porter QI is bringing back one of our most popular episodes on the effect of human behavior on healthcare planning. This episode discusses desire paths on sidewalk design as an example for surgical staffing and looks at how AI could help us to get a better understanding of employee behavior and trends. So take a moment to count your blessings and consider what future innovations may come from listening to the footfalls of employees and patients alike. If you've ever been to a government or educational campus, you may have noticed that the sidewalks are all nicely symmetrical and right angles leading up to the front door of the building. But on closer look, you may notice that not all of the pedestrians have chosen to use the sidewalk. The sidewalk is, of course, necessary for accessibility reasons. But then pedestrians come and they vote with their feet on where they would actually like to walk. And sometimes pedestrians will cut the corners instead of Walking all the way to the end and turning, they'll just cut across the lawn and make this dirt trail of their own. This phenomenon in city planning is called a desire path. It's where the feet of pedestrians blaze a new trail based on the best shortcut, the most scenic route, or sometimes just a desire to break the norm. It can frustrate city planners because the sidewalks were paid for, they're required for accessibility reasons, they're provided for pedestrians, and then the lawn gets ruined by walkers who give their feedback with their feet. They cut a dirt road in the middle of the lovely green lawn, and the landscaper is upset, the urban planner is upset, and they're asking, why don't they just take the sidewalk? There was an architect and urban planner named Ricardo Marini who observed that someone could spend a fortune on granite steps only to have people walk up the slope on the side because their brain tells them it is faster. So his planning actually focused on the evidence of people's movements, such as the cart paths that eventually formed cities like New York and London, and then he planned his design around the behavior of people, their actual actions. I know I actually liked taking those dirt paths when I saw one of those trails I really wanted to take it because it's kind of like a marker of history you find the places that people have walked before and blaze their own trail. And if so many people have chosen it, well, maybe there's something to it. And I've found some lovely places that I would not have discovered if I stayed on the sidewalks. And I often would choose those trails because it's, I just like the sound of gravel under my feet or in the north where I went to school and lived much of my life you had to take advantage of getting to walk on grass when you could because nine months of the year it was covered with snow or mud. So I started wondering whether this phenomenon of people kind of paving their own way ever happens in healthcare. Are there trails blazed outside the system's parameters that frustrate planners? How are real people who make up the healthcare industry voting with their feet? What trails are they blazing today? So one of the examples that I find particularly fascinating is with staffing. There's a lot of emotion around staffing. There's a lot of investment around staffing. 
And human behavior influences everything from the rate of births that arrive in the labor and delivery department to vacation requests in certain seasons with holidays and school schedules and everything else. Even the type of injury that's common in a community comes down to human behavior because during specific times of the week or year, it may be common for them to have blizzards and ice storms and the orthopedic injuries shoot up during that time. So human behavior definitely influences the structure and system of healthcare. So then I wanted to know if there were any Ricardo Marinis, the architect who would plan his design around people's behavior rather than planning the design and asking people to follow the rules. So I did find a good example to capture this phenomenon of desire paths in the hospital environment. Sanford Health is partnering with FlexWise, which is a workforce optimization software company. And they implemented a new artificial intelligence tool that schedules more than 10,000 nurses up to 18 months in advance based on several years of prior data. So just keep in mind, they used to schedule staff based on the statistics of patient visits from the year before. But if you think about it, one reason this pilot needed to happen was because managers could not use 2020 data during the COVID-19 pandemic because the staffing for that year was completely different than the 2021 year. They needed tons of staff in ICU in 2020. They needed a lot of staff in procedural areas in 2021 because of people catching up on uh, procedures they had waited for during 2020. There were just too many variances. So how are they going to plan for 2021 and 22? To answer that question, a pilot was initiated at Sanford Health in the Fargo, North Dakota location in 2021. And then the system-wide launch started in the spring of this year. The head of Enterprise Clinical Staffing and Scheduling for Sanford Health, Emily Buckingham Carlson, said, the beauty of this is that it's meant to be agile. The tool is built to be something that changes with us over time, and it's not meant to be stagnant. So the managers were allowed to tweak the schedule and provide feedback to that system, but they could spend a lot less time on the phone requesting hours for immediate shortages and putting people on call, addressing those variances. So if we think about the quality perspective, having a reduction in variance in your outcome is the whole goal of Deming and Six Sigma and all of these methodologies. So the idea that they can reduce variance in the outcome for staffing, that fits right in line with quality standards. So I thought that was kind of fascinating to take that approach to something that we wouldn't always think of as a quality improvement topic because it's logistics and logistics do influence quality, but we don't always dig into what HR is doing or how many students are visiting the site right now. It's really the effect of staffing shortages that we often find ourselves investigating. The CNO at Sanford, Emily DeBoer, said that they would like to allow their teams to spend less time on spreadsheets and more time with patients, families, and active but their nursing teams, which is also a critical topic because there are a lot of inexperienced nurses now with a lot of the experienced nurses retiring. So the goal then was to be proactive about variance in staffing rather than reactive to their staffing needs. So we've definitely heard this before. If you've worked in quality before, you've heard the idea of being proactive about problems rather than reactive. The barrier to that in staffing is predictability. How could you predict the need? How could you predict your staffing? 
So the hope with this project is that AI scheduling could decrease the stress caused by manual scheduling. Managers are very overworked. They've been filling in on the floor whenever their staffing is not met, and then somehow they're supposed to make sure that staffing is met for the next shift. It's been a very overwhelming job on the, on the management side. And they're hoping, too, that it will help provide more accessible time off because they'll be able to predict the need and whether it's uh, acceptable to grant another time off over holidays, how much they can grant. And there's also a desire just to improve communication about staffing loads and the use of those resources. So it could provide another layer of transparency on what those needs really are. They gave the example of looking at their clinic and identifying how many patients in their obstetrics clinic would be due at a certain time, and that AI could consider that along with the past six years of patient census data, and then they could also consider quality outcomes. There's a lot that they could play with and do analysis of those things that they didn't really have the capability of doing without that computing power. They're also hoping that this more efficient use of resources could improve both staff and workplace satisfaction and reducing burnout. So that has been a huge catchphrase this year. There's been a lot posted in journals about physician burnout, nursing burnout, and how many nurses are planning on not working at bedside within you know the next year or two. And that's a major factor if they can make sure that nurses are at an adequate staffing level. Of course, that's going to make a difference in satisfaction. But you don't want to be all ready to work and then get put on call. I heard peers that had two jobs saying, you know, I wish that I had picked up on my other job rather than be on call here. I would have made more money. There are issues with call schedules, with not being able to take time off when you're exhausted and burned out. If you can take the time off, that can make a major difference in being able to recover in a healthy manner and then return to work rather than get utterly burned out or suffer more severe consequences of depression, etc. This begs the question. As we see how this plays out, I'd love to hear more details about what they find on employee satisfaction, for example. And I'll be looking for that and we'll certainly share it with you as that comes out. But what other desire paths are there in the hospital besides staffing around the census? I remember talking to the operating room manager and listening to him describe the average length of time for a specific surgery based on the surgeon. I had never even thought about the fact that different surgeons might proceed with slightly different techniques and a different speed, and that what's tolerable speed for one might be different than for another. Some of them are on the bypass machine for an open heart, and some of them are not, and and they're different techniques. So was it a trauma and an emergent or a planned surgery? There are differences in that, and it affects the length of time. And then I remembered that one of the most common reasons cited for errors like retained foreign body in the operating room is when the team says they were rushed on cases that have become sentinel events or something. That is so often cited as one of the reasons, and we kind of skip over it, like they shouldn't use that as an excuse. But what if the timing could be more tailored? And what if they did actually feel a less sense of rush? I wonder if AI scheduling around the behavior 
the, the real behavior of surgeons and specific types of surgeries, what it's like with a specific surgical team doing that surgery, I wonder if that would reduce the feeling of being rushed and thereby reduce errors. That would be a really cool pilot to do. Perhaps a surgeon would disagree or resent the real-time capture of their surgery length. Regardless, it would be interesting to look. Or perhaps we would find associations between length of time and the healing time or certain techniques. There would be a lot to discover there. But we won't know unless we try. So I think that would be an interesting one to study. Another potential solution that I thought of would be the use of supplies. I mentioned that a blizzard would often result in several orthopedic visits to the ED. So some holidays or seasonal changes like ice storms could result in, for example, more traumas and orthopedic surgeries. Perhaps that could influence the purchase of braces, crutches, and other orthopedic supplies. Maybe every fall there needs to be a little uptick in the supplies of neck braces and things like that. That would be an interesting thing to study too with the artificial intelligence capability that we have now. Either way, I see a lot of potential in using artificial intelligence and machine learning to look at the bigger picture on human behavior. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, we have an opportunity with standardizing of the system that CMS is pushing right now with interoperability, there is an opportunity to tailor patient care in a way that we haven't been able to before. There is also, with artificial intelligence, the ability to look at so much more data and make predictions based on that large amount of historical data. As anyone who's worked with data analytics or statistics or related fields will tell you, sample size matters. And when you have tripled your sample size, uh, you can tell a lot more about something than when you're just looking at a capture of the same month last year. And you can see that as we started to do meta-analyses in clinical research and how it showed us so much more information than each of the tiny clinical studies that we could do before that, when they could all be pulled together and you could access sepsis data from seven different clinical studies across the world, for example, suddenly we had really solid evidence that early goal-directed therapy worked for sepsis. I would love to see some of the desire paths, as we might call it, those trails that have been blazed by employees, by patients, that do not fit in the system expectations exactly. I'd love to see those in healthcare meted out in the age of big data so that we can approach patient care in a more personalized and proactive manner. So what trails do you think are cutting across the lawn of the healthcare system? What human factors would you like to see addressed in the future of healthcare? I'd love to hear about it. Thanks for listening to Quality for the Rest of Us. If you found this episode helpful, please consider liking and subscribing so you'll be notified when future episodes come out. If you have thoughts or questions, you can email q4us at porterqi.com. And if you're interested in joining our community, visit porterqi.com. You'll find podcast archives, helpful articles, innovative tools, and a knowledgeable group of professionals just like you. That's porterqi.com. I hope to see you there.